welcome to a spooky bonus episode of Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm Count Tomula. <laughs> I can't top that. I'm 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 Big Will, aka the Abominable Buckman. Boo! Ah, Justin, I still got the headphones on over here. Yeah, sorry. right. Did I spook? Did I spook you? Yeah. Well, hello, Justin. Uh, yeah, no one's ever called me Count Tomula before. Just totally transparent right now. What's going on, guys? Until now, until the future. Yeah, that's right. In case you haven't guessed, welcome to our uh, special uh, haunted hole Halloween spectacular episode. Yes, I like. We yeah, did it. I totally missed haunted hole. Actually, yeah, no, I hole. I didn't. I yeah. didn't. That's why I'm here. I've had a haunted hole. Uh, yeah. For whoa, whoa. A weeks now. I tell you that. Whoa. Yeah, how's that bathroom coming along? That's good. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, two-a-day Taco Bells don't work for an unfinished bathroom. Yikes. <laughs> Speaking of the last two days, I'm going to go ahead and say it. How was your weekend? Tom. Thanks for asking. So sometimes I work with Brooklyn Brewery, and I go work events with them where I just pour beer for uh, thirsty beer people. Okay. Who uh, pay money to be beer snobs, but mm-hmm. they never are. They're just regular people trying to get drunk. That's a gig. So... uh I do this with my girlfriend. Gabby and I show up to this place. We didn't read the paperwork. It was a cider festival. Okay. Ah, fall cider. It's that time of the year. Bobbing for them. Okay. It, it truly is Festive. that time of the year. Festive. But as someone who doesn't like cider, sweets, it's it's a little disappointing to stand mm-hmm. there and kind of cider bobbing. But you, you were know? still providing a, an important service to the, the cider drinkers of the world. I was pouring very, very sweet beers because yeah. Brooklyn has the variety. They don't do any ciders, but they do some... Uh, the Bel Air Sour. We actually just confirmed an interview with a uh, cider-drinking black metal occultist. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. That's a foreboding little uh, hint right yeah, there. That's not right? just a spooky yeah, take. I'm that's, not. Yeah, <laughs> that's I'm, the future. I'm not going to give it away. Yeah, I looked at my crystal ball. All right, <laughs> but yeah. So, so the cider game not as hot as the beer game out there for you. It's a certain type of person that goes to a cider festival. Mm-hmm. Nice people, but it's very different from the beer festival. Not all occultists. No, not necessarily. Not all yeah. of them. Maybe I yeah. saw him there. There was a there was a guy wearing a what was he wearing? He was wearing a Lucky Thirteen saloon. Oh, okay. uh, shirt. Oh, so, t-shirt, yeah. So he liked t- he liked titties. He liked yeah, a, cider. Yeah. A crossover between those two worlds. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was my weekend. Poor staring, right. Yeah, just staring the spooky hole, sipping get, cider. Get, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sipping on that side. <laughs> well, Ju- Justin, what about you, man? What was going on? Oh, um, my weekend actually uh, it started um, on on Wednesday in the midweek. The, 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 old North, the old North Star of the week. You can tell I'm the oldest one on this podcast, man. This guy started his weekend on Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, I worked Thursday and Friday, but it started. Yeah, on, it started I know how it goes. Wednesday, yeah, I used to do it too. Uh, I saw um, I saw a great uh, Buffalo hardcore band. Every time I die. Yes. On the uh, rocks off offshore uh, cruise around the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, uh, on the in boat. City on, on the on boat. The boat. All right. Rocking and rolling, sea legs, we had them. Um, <laughs> and it was great. Um, played a couple of sets. They played Hot Damn in its entirety, the, the second set. Okay. Um, I happen to be a fan of that album, uh, more so than most. And, yeah, had a fantastic time. Um, the crew was deep and, uh, and and just deep in the connections. It was really nice. Um, it was fun, too, because, like... Uh, you know, you ever go to a show with like, uh, you know, you go to a show with a with a girl, like your girlfriend or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, as a guy, you want to kind of play a little bit like a like a protector role. You know what I mean? It's not, <laughs> you know, it's not like anything against women, like that. You know, most of them couldn't well, beat it, me up or anything like that. But you just want to, you know, you want to 
Well, it's, <laughs> a, it's actually for women. You're, you're, you're taking the hits in front of them. Exactly. Yeah, the you situation want, you're describing. You yeah, want to go, ow, I'm hurting a little yeah. bit more than well, you, but that's okay. Well, these right. shows, they look they look like they could be dangerous, but it's a charade. And I mean, in, in any of these yeah. situations, any woman would be welcome to stand in front of you and shield you from the hits. That's just how it worked out, is you shielded them. So exactly. you're, you're, you don't have to apologize. Uh, no, listen, I'm just like You don't have to apologize for trying to protect your friend. So I, uh, so uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, you know, Arizona, we're... Um, we're we're standing in the middle uh, of the, uh, the the pit area on this rocking boat, and and we're watching uh, uh, this song "Floater" about to happen, and that's a heavy song. Will I don't know if you know it. What was it? What was the name of the song? The song is called "Floater." Ironic. Yeah. It's about Ironic. a little floating duty. Ironic. Also, yeah, we're on the water. Buoyancy. Uh, it all it's all relevant. So um so let la- you know last time I checked uh you know uh, Arizona's behind me and I'm you know I'm I'm. Sipping my 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 bud heavies as I as I do. Not cider, huh? And uh, and um, all of a sudden, like this this banshee comes and jumps over Whoa. my back and and into the front <laughs> and into the pit. And I was like, who the fuck is this asshole? I don't know. I just keep going. And then this person's in front of me and el- getting elbowed in the stomach. And I'm like, yes. just trying to have this good time. And then this person turns around. It's my girlfriend. Oh, it's in Arizona, your own See? girlfriend. She target moshed. Ta- she yeah, yeah, she target moshed me. Um, Damn near uh, overboard, and you are in an abusive relationship. Yeah, I was yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah, that's not for cool. sure. Not cool. Um, so thank God we got out of that alive and uh, and still together. And then um, <laughs> on uh, on Saturday we uh, we reconciled. You know. Okay. Um, she took wow. responsibility as women should. Whoa. And um, and we saw some uh, some New Japan pro wrestling, some uh, the best Japanese pro wrestling on the planet. We saw uh, in Hammerstein Ballroom in the city. All right, and, all right. Uh, we committed to our slams and had a great time. Now this nice. New Japan Pro Wrestling, give me a little little backstory on this. Why was this event uh, uh, so so prominent for them? Why this is like this is like a, a big event for them, right? Yeah, I think it's a uh, it's it's uh, it was a product of the uh, the global growth of of this company that mm. was um, you know started in uh, nineteen seventy two, I believe. Okay. Um, by Antonio Inoki. Okay. Uh, okay. Legendary Japanese pro wrestler. Yes. Um, yeah. So they, you know, they've been killing it in Japan. Uh, all your favorites have been over there. Um, if you have favorites, and they have, uh, they've expanded into the the English speaking world a little bit. And this was their first East Coast run, um, kind of solo, like without the accompaniment of a of a, an American company, if you will. And they sold out uh, Hammerstein Ballroom. And, had a great time, man. Good uh, for them. Just very good things. So God bless wrestling. It's real. God oh, bless yeah. New York City, number one. Thank Love you. It. Okay. So, uh, Will, how was your week? Um, my weekend was uh, it was quick, man. A lot of driving this weekend. Um, I can I can report to any artificial brain um, <clears throat> apologists listening that um, <laughs> we had we had our, our first full band rehearsal in quite some time this weekend. I had to drive. Uh, Two and a half, three hours there, two and a half hours back to an undisclosed location um, to rehearse. Uh, you know, the ba- band members are a little spread out. Things are a little crazy nowadays, but we do what we have to do for the brain, and um, things are looking up. Don't we all? We're trying to, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to get out there next year and, and get hit the stage again, man. So I was really excited for that, man. That was my whole day Saturday was devoted to that. Um, 
And uh, we, you know, we got new material coming along really good, man. We're putting the titles and the lyrics to the new new instrumentals. Everything's locking in like Voltron. So I, I'm just very relieved and happy, man. Um, it's been a long time since Artificial Brain has been kind of active on on the rehearsing and playing live front. We've been so busy writing and you know doing other pursuits on the side, man. So that, that was great, man. And Sunday I hit the beach. We didn't catch any fish, but it was a nice day, man. That's all, you know. Beautiful no bags, big deal. Man. No big deal, man. No big deal. So that, that's that was my weekend, man. It's exciting and then relaxing. Yeah, well, I, I needed a break, man. I did a lot of driving uh, to get back and forth on Saturday, man. And just through the way, I had a stressful week, man. Stressful week, man. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm not going to... Uh, Do you want to talk about it? Well, I did, um, I did acquire... I got bit by a human being oh, man. last oh. week. Yeah. It was through two layers of shirt. I don't want to divulge too much. Was there uh, skin peely and falling off? Uh, no, it was more well, because it was like through through two. It was like a, you know like a button up shirt and then an undershirt like through that on my abdomen. It, it looks more like a really bad rope burn or like if someone took a pair of pliers and just you know it's like a really bad welt bruise kind of thing right now, man. This so, wasn't how like twenty eight days later started. No, no, yeah. no, no. Well, hope, hopefully, hopefully not. not. It's, it's only been two or three days later, bro. I no mean, there's fevers, still time. No yeah, chills. Yeah. Okay, we're good. Yeah, no. This was. Uh, I'm just gonna say that this was like a work-related injury. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna go too far into it, man. But that stressed me out a little bit. Um, you know, triggered the old stress hormones, as I they say. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, so I, I'm, I took a few days off of work. Um, I had already scheduled days off of work. It just coincided that you know I uh, had a lot going on. And uh, now I'm going fishing, man. So that was it, man. That's but yeah, it was, it was it was uh it was good it was good to have the the rehearsal and get you know get my mind off of things, man. You know, so some sometimes we all have a rough day at work. Not the going away mm-hmm. present you wanted from uh, uh not the one I wanted, no. perchance the one I needed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, <coughs> I don't know if you guys even saw me whip out polish and oil change the Segway just now. But speaking of human bites, ah, oh, I see. You guys like horror movies? I do. On top of me liking them, I jump all the time. <laughs> I'm a big ass bitch. Yeah. Whoa. whoa. I, I only watch them during the day, so I can uh-huh. I can relate. Tom. Wow. I'm a huge bitch over here. Yeah. I don't know about Ooh. jumping. I ha- I do experience a fair amount of existential dread at like three in the morning when I wake up. Sometimes if it's a good enough movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's but, there with me? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But you know. Uh, you know. Other than that, man, I do. I do love horror movies. There's obviously a big crossover between fans of extreme music, the old horror movies, death metal. It goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been wanting to touch on it for a while, and sort of just. Reviewing a Mortician album, um, you know, or something like that, man. There's, there's not much, but it's Halloween time. We're here to talk about horror movies, yeah, right, and yeah. maybe how they cross over, relate, or are adjacent to, to extreme music in some way. Yeah, this is a little yeah. bit more freeform. This episode, everyone's kind of just taking a movie and then evaluating it in our own way. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. no real format. You know, bonus episode stuff. We're hanging, shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some sort of a metal adjacent movie episode, if you will. Now mm-hmm. you said the magic word, bonus. Yes. This is our third bonus episode, I believe. Yes, it is. We usually do them. We tie them in with the holiday seasons. Like, if you know, if there's like a, uh, a work holiday where we have the day off of work, we'll do one. Or, you know, like this is the Halloween one. Now, the, the holiday season is coming up, man. And I got to tell you, that's the season to give, right? Yes. So the freebies are over after this one, buddy. All right? It's trick or treat tonight. You get your Halloween episode, and uh, the Patreon link is going up. We're doing it. Yeah. It's it's time. We're, we're big boys now. Yeah. We're going to be setting up the Patreon. This is going to be our last free bonus episode. Soak it um, up. We don't know the pricing on everything now, but it's going to be very fair. 
maybe a cup of coffee's worth. We'll get you a whole another episode every month or so. We got Dan Valentino uh, crunching the numbers for us. All yeah. right? We don't know about all that stuff, right? But trust me, it's going to be all good. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get a little more into that at the end. But yeah, we're excited to do a Patreon because we know we have a lot of listeners that, that uh, like our stuff, want to support us, and we'll be able mm-hmm. to do some cool stuff with that. Yeah, there'll be perks, and uh, keep an eye out for them. And uh, you know, send suggestions, like also, you know, what do you want? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Op- that's true. Yeah. Open new ideas for the, uh, the perk tiers. Hit us, hit us up on that social media. We got some good ideas. We were just having a heated debate before recording about some of the the perks, mm-hmm. potential merch. I'm not gonna get, get I'm not gonna divulge too much. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So before I before I go too far with all that, Tom, do you do you want to start us off here? Yeah. So I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm gonna stay household right now with my horror pick of the evening. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners have seen this one, Evil Dead Two. Classic. Great. Tom. There you go. Yeah. Like I said before, sometimes I jump. And sometimes I'll jump even if it's like 70% slapstick comedy. It's all about the hits. Okay. The loud noises. The man. pops. Yeah. So I was watching Evil Dead the other day. It's basically a visual of a Razorback Records uh, release. Frightmare, Blood Freak, things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that would be a little too literal to compare it to one of those bands mm-hmm. because they are so horror-centric. But, so, fa- but fair enough. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to kind of compare its, uh, rather, its energy and the way it was made. Sam Raimi, by making The Evil Dead 1, the first one, uh, low budget, but pretty well-received yeah. movie that uh, preceded Evil Dead 2, which went more into the uh, comedic realm. I think it's really interesting that he went for horror, saw the holes in it, and decided to exploit that, and basically <laughs> remade it kind of like parodied himself in a way yeah Yeah. and he had fun with it but he also did it like a champion Uh uh-huh like that movie is solid all the way through a hundred percent man cult classic there's a reason why you know why people love it and why bruce campbell has become such a uh, cult legend and all that stuff yeah yeah exactly like sam raimi he plays into horror tropes but he also plays into the comedy tropes and with that what I'd like to say is that throughout the whole movie, it is balanced. It's a balancing act. It's comedy. It's horror. It's comedy. It's horror. It's never that like section where it breaks down and then gets serious to justify all the comedy, kind of like Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead was. Mm-hmm. At the end of that one, there's there isn't a joke to be found because it's so it's so heavy with comedy in some parts. Yeah. Um, it's weaving the entire time. Yeah, it's Would, playing the, the, like the horror timing and the comedy time timing simultaneously, right. trying to hit on all the spooks. But hit on the laughs at the same time, or just the absurdity of the whole thing. Right, and like some of the really gruesome stuff in it isn't shown. It's kind of taken the uh, Hitchcock route every now and then. For example, when Ash cuts off his hand. Implied. Yeah, yeah. it's implied. You see the, the camera's just <clears throat> on his face, and you're seeing a smattering of blood. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to do any work to watch that movie. Even if you're not a horror fan. You can just sit back, take it in, uh, the copious amount of blood that's coming out of the walls and uh, the ridiculous little Adams Family uh, hand running around. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. The, uh, what is it, the deer's head on the wall? Yeah, the laughing scene. I'll scene. always remember that, man. Uh, yeah, su- such a classic movie, man, and just, yeah, creepy and funny. There's there's a few movies uh, that, that are creepy and funny in, in the right ways, but that's definitely, like, the king, man. Yeah, and th- so that's technically the, th- the second in a trilogy. The following one after is Army of Darkness, which is mm-hmm. even more absurd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 crazy. Man. Really unique original trilogy of movies, man. It doesn't even mm-hmm. feel like it's a trilogy. It's just like these three crazy movies. But yeah, yeah they're yeah. all so removed yeah. from each other, yeah. and you you know that 
when they were doing the second one that they planned to do Army of Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like yeah. they foresaw that already. It's 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 crazy. So what I want to do is uh, bring up a musical act. Everyone that listens to this episode is familiar with, just like horror fans are familiar with Evil Dead, and how the writing of music can be very similar by using tropes the right way. Okay. So mm. the band I want to use as an example is Pig Destroyer. Interesting. I feel like the trilogy of Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness kind of goes as follows for the catalog, which is Prowler in the Yard is a mindset of Evil Dead. Terrifier, Evil Dead 2, Phantom Limb, Army of Darkness. The reason why I do that is that with each of those, the band is developing, but also using grind tropes, because they are one of the biggest grind bands out there. They're not going to break from that. Kind of invented a sound for themselves. The blast beats, the nonstop guitars. They have fun on all these albums, the same way that Sam Raimi does. But the reason I call Prowler in the Yard Evil Dead is because it seems like they're trying to take themselves a little more seriously. Mm. The second time they gain a mastery of it, they had a little more fun with it. Terrifier, it's a dynamic grind release. There's a, a moody break in the middle of the song Tower of Flesh that you wouldn't expect if you had listened to the previous album, Prowler. So they're introducing new elements. There's even a couple like rock and roll style southern riffs in it that keep it fun. Kind of the way Raimi introduces comedy so well. So I watched the movie and then spent a couple hours the next day flipping through my whole library, thinking about the similarities about how Raimi approached Evil Dead 2 and how someone writes. When are they going to use their timing and their knowledge of what they've been doing to have fun with it? And I thought that Terrifier was the album. Because well, Evil Dead 2 showed uh, it showed a maturity in filmmaking, if you will, mm-hmm. while being funnier. You know what I mean? By by introducing uh, the, more of the comedy into, into the horror, more of the absurdity than Evil Dead One mm-hmm. or Evil Dead, uh, it it, exp- it it sh- it had this like uh, writing maturity to it. And yeah, I, I, I can totally see that with Terrorizer. It's like this is a band maturing and like being more masters of their sound the same way as. Uh, uh, Sam Raimi's more master of the story that he was trying to tell with Evil Dead One in Evil Dead Two. Right. Once once you master those rules of horror or let's say grindcore, you can start breaking them a little bit more yeah. and tastefully doing so. Interesting. So that's kind of like where I was coming from. Phantom Limb. I got really into that album, and there's something really round about the qualities of that, and it feels like the production's way up. So it's an it's kind of an uh, easy way to compare Army of Darkness. So I'm not going to get into that one, but Terrifier even more so is the Evil Dead two of Grindcore. Wow, I did not see that coming at all. There is a whole like fucking thesis to be written about that. That is a that is a a ball to be ran with. I really want to um, I want to hear some listener feedback on that. I feel like I could put that into better words had I not kind of uh, had a limited time to write this. Or uh, collect my thoughts, rather, because I'm I'm kind of just bullet-pointing and jumping around right yeah. now. I would like to hear what fans think if there's another album that they would call The Evil Dead 2. Sure. Something that is, is so iconic in both comedy and horror. And I'm using the horror as the grindcore element. If you want to make that a death metal band, I don't know, something heavy. But, like, what's, what's a band that does that and then has fun with it? Hmm. Interesting. Like, I'm almost thinking, like... Like the red cord between fused together and clients, it's a huge mm. jump. Each like has its own very subtle sense of humor. 
Not not so much uh, in the forefront. I think I think Destroyer does. Mm -hmm. You know, um, doesn't sound so fun off the bat. You know, save a few like ten second parts here and there. Right. But the mastery of the sound that they're trying to create or whatever. <laughs> I think it's, it's I think it's an interesting that's an interesting like case study or like you know, it just kind of like blew my mind with that, that comparison a little bit. I'm like. Kind of like think of like other movie, other trilogy, other like yeah, series that can. Be it's it's kind of like a, I mean, it could kind of yeah. just be like a, a model that's commonly found in creative, uh, you know, enterprise like creative, uh, you know, franchises or whatever. Where there's there's the initial attempt where you're going for something and it's very defined, <clears throat> and then you know the the the, the, the follow up where you're kind of taking that but twisting it uh, a little bit and having more fun with it or you know mm -hmm. you feel more liberated within it less starch yeah. in your shirt the the, the second yeah. time around but yeah. the person wearing the shirt has more experience i think there's a chance that once this new blood incantation album is uh properly digested we can make an argument for that of the prior two albums the production is going to be out there. They're going to be doing things that weren't possible on the other albums. You know, I, I think there's something to be uh, this this it's kind of like archetype or whatever it is of the the, the first, second, third. I I, yeah. I I see what you're saying, man. Yeah, it's it was like overlapping things because the mo model is a good like ide the ideology of what I'm trying to get to. It's like mm -hmm. the the model of how this was approached, but then also like the humor thing and like not letting the humor be the ultimate imagery at the end of the day and it's also not a crutch yeah you know? it's uh and and not uh something to take away from from the quality of it or from the, like the integrity i would say mm -hmm. of it it's also something that's um that's kind of unique to film and I, I i don't know if anything has been done you know like correct me if i'm wrong if anything has been done since or, or before and definitely not well it it definitely has been done in music maybe it's like a, it's it's you know um where you, you try a story, you know, one time in one film, and you release a sequel that's more or less the same story but better. Right. You know? And and I, you know, bands have have done uh, first albums and then uh, re-recorded them at better quality, maybe with a more, uh, you know, uh, you know the tones and, and maybe change some parts of some songs or whatever. It's where that new product is a, is better than the original. Right. There's and it's not like quality. and it's not like the demo take was something that was released and then. Yeah, maybe didn't go over so well. I feel like I don't. I, um, I mean, I, I don't know if I would count it, but um, Malignancy just re-recorded uh, intrauterine cannibalism a couple of years ago. I, w I don't know if I would really throw that in the same category. I think that was just more of a, 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 a fresher take on it. Cenotaph uh, from uh, Turkey. There's two versions of puked genital purulency. Their uh, their first album actually. Mm. Uh, there's a, a reissue that was like I think it was repuke purulency or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something to think about. Also, another band. I, I think what actually got me over to the Pig Destroyer thing was I was listening to the album The Kill. Oh, not the album The Kill. The band The Kill. I was listening mm -hmm. to Kill Them All, uh, Australian grindcore band. Yeah, really great band. album. Uh, I, and I was kind of like looking through my library, and I started. I, I never read the lyrics to their stuff before. And they're fucking hysterical, but it all sounds really mean. You know, they got a song about a, a crocodile eating a kid out of a cafeteria, and just no one knows what's going on. And the song in the cafeteria? Kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I started there, and I was just like, well, the more rounded out, um, nothing against the kill, but better known version of that <clears throat> style grindcore would be Pig Destroyer. Cool, man. But, I don't know. Very cool. Yeah, so I guess enough of that. But thanks for hearing me out. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Justin, what'd you bring in? Well, hold on. Let me eat all these uh, Reese's Pieces that I got from my neighbor on the trick or treat. Careful, there might be a razor blade in there. You see, like, uh, you know, there's news reports coming out of, uh, you know, uh, kids beware of. of marijuana edibles in your in your candy. Oh yeah, and it's just a, like yeah. who the fuck is giving away their edibles for free? Like uh, just kids. Like, I okay. you know I I'm <laughs> sick. To, nobody's doing that. I know that's like, like the meme. Like no one, but like I could definitely see a lot of people giving away marijuana edibles to fuck with people. I I that's totally a thing. Like that's, I could totally. See, there's a lot of people that would love to fuck with people by putting marijuana edibles in places where they think it's regular candy. Well, maybe kids. So. I, I maybe think kids should yeah. get high. Then. I think the delay release is a huge reason why people might try it. And yeah. Also, nobody's doing that. No, but like it, it's a lot more believable than a razor blade. Happened. It's like I, who's gi- I, who's giving away their there, perfectly good razor blades? There, brand new and there was a never, <laughs> there was never uh, an actual case of the razor blade or the needle. I don't in the know apple. about that. No, I, 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 I'm just saying the marijuana edibles. Somebody did it to fuck with somebody already. I came down with a case of the razor blades one time. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's like the generic the, the generic joke in like movies. It's like, oh, I have these brownies. Oh, really? And then like yeah. they figure out it's the weed. Like somebody did it. Man. I'm sorry. Brownies. I'm sorry. It, I'm sure it's not like a widespread phenomenon, but oh my god, he felt good for a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, if he's over eighteen, come on. You ever been mad at? You ever been mad at the house for giving you a Snickers when all you wanted was a Snickers cruncher? Oh, I don't even think they made Snickers crunchers the last time I went. I went on trick or treating, <laughs> man. When I was trick or treating, there was when I was trick or treating, you had a burlap sack. And a lady would give you a, a, a candied apple in the village square. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> a Mary Jane. Yeah. Shout out to the lady that gave pennies. Those are sick. I still have those pennies. Yeah. Yeah. They might be worth more. So, um, so guys, uh, you know, Will, you, uh, you give me a text message on my cellular phone saying uh, we're doing horror movies tonight for Halloween. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That, that uh, was meant for Tom, actually. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. That was, that was mean of me. Well, here I am. For better or worse, and uh, and I was racking my brain. I was like, "Listen, what scary movies have I, have I seen? Um, you know, in the daytime. This is the only time I watch them." <laughs> and uh, I was like, "You know, I really like, I really like Event Horizon." You know, I was like, "Event Horizon, great okay. fucking movie." Wow. You know? I was like, "Event Horizon is like this. You know, it's like a spooky rock spire of movies." You know? Very scary. Yeah, like, like not uh, not the first thing that comes to my mind when I think horror movies. Yeah. But definitely like like you know. On the fence between the sci-fi and the horror. Yeah, yeah. it's a brutal yeah. fucking movie. Okay, I'll be yeah. honest too. Just, yeah. just so you know where I'm at with this conversation. Sure. Remember, I said I jumped, jumped out of the fucking room with this one. Out of, straight out of the room. As soon as fucking Sam Neill's eyes are coming out of his head, he takes Ooh. him out. Yeah, I'm yeah. At, I was out of the room, so I didn't see the rest. So, oh my god, <laughs> dude, <laughs> watch it as a as a prequel to the Matrix, and it's the best. Okay. Wow. So, <laughs> so then, you know, it was like uh, you know, Event Horizon. Great, you know, great fucking movie, but I'm not really feeling it right now. And then I was thinking a little bit. I was like, you know, what movie really scared me as a child? And probably the the, the, mo- the movie that really like gave me nightmares for the longest time was a movie called Fire in the Sky. Wow, that movie scared the shit out of me. Did it? Yeah, 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 scared the fucking bejesus out of me. Yeah, uh, a, a story um, about an alien abduction, alleged alien abduction, alleged in uh, Snowflake, Arizona. Yeah. You know where all the liberals are from. And, uh, oh, 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 hey, hey, um, that's where they make those edibles you like so much. <laughs> you know, they, they change the story around, but uh, that scene with, with when, when he flashes back with the syrup going down the table and Senator it hits his cider, face, the yeah, cider. That, 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 that drink hits yeah. him in the eye. Yeah, no, and, uh, uh, yeah. Oh my god, terrifying. Terrifying. And then I was movie. like, you know what? I don't really want to relive these, these horrors of, uh, as a child. Um, 
I don't want to be reciting Looney Tunes before I go to sleep tonight. <laughs> so I'm gonna leave. Uh, I'm gonna leave Fire in the Sky on whatever fucking streaming service it is tonight. So I brought it to the the spookiest movie I've seen as of recent. Okay. And uh, I don't know if many of our listeners have seen it. I don't know if many of my colleagues at the table have seen it, but it's a little movie I like to call, or they also like to call, uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Wow. Have you seen it? Sadly, I got to say no. I'm embarrassed. Well, that makes me very excited, Well, So Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park is not about a cute little dog, Kiss, that gets lost in the park. Mm. And uh, and gets spooked by a little fucking guy in a mask. Kiss, the hardest band in the world, made this movie in 1978, made for TV, Whoa. aired one time on NBC, and then was never aired again. Really? Really. That good, huh? You can see <laughs> uh, a version of it on the Kiss DVD, the Kissology, I believe, DVD that <laughs> yeah. came out whatever fucking year it did. Journalism. And, uh, and but it was heavily, heavily edited. So I searched high and I searched low, and on deep forums and whatnot to find the original cut of this of this film. Okay. Um, produced by Hanna Barbera, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is fantastic. So uh, let me let me tell you a little bit about Kiss meets the Phantom of the Paw. <laughs> yeah, I mean. The, uh, you're gonna do like a couple minute synopsis, right? Well, yeah, now? it's a little, yeah, a little. Might be spoilers. I don't care. Spoiler alert. Okay. Spoil away. Spoiler alert. Yeah, do it. I'm never gonna watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to text it. It's on my phone. I'll text it through Tom. I'll text it. Yeah. So. <laughs> no first person text. So, uh, Kiss meets the Phantom of the Opera. It's a horrifying film. <laughs> with the most horrifying part being, why did they make this? Uh. The, the reason why. Why? So, so this story features um, a man named Abner, he, uh, a disgruntled, underappreciated theme park engineer. Um, we we never never told what theme park this is, um, but there's a lot of New York accents and, and English accents. Uh, and it was most likely the Psycho Circus. Oh, come on, I think it was the Dark Carnival. <laughs> might, have been, might have been a precursor to the. I might have seen Fago in this movie. Let me check. All right. Um, so, uh, Abner, a disgruntled, underappreciated theme park engineer, um, gets let go from his job. Yeah. In part because of his deranged obsession with animatronics. He's trying to get these these animatronic sort of, uh, you know, exhibits um, placed throughout the park. That's the guy I want at my theme park. Right? Fuck. Yeah. I, you would think that. Um, but... His main flaw and his main beef with the owner of the park who had who had let him go was uh, was Abner hated Kiss. Okay, no. So he's, he's not working on my theme Kiss was coming to the theme park uh, to um, to give a little boost to revenue, a little injection into the old uh, microeconomy of the theme park. Okay, they, they've been hurting for business, and uh, Abner had had been uh, you know so focused on his on his creations, on his work, on his animatronic robotics that he was letting uh, simple things as motors uh, of teacup rides um, fall into peril. And go, go to Chuck E. Cheese with that shit, Abner. Come on. You, I don't want to go to that Chuck E. Cheese. I'm, 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 yeah. So, 
Uh, Abner hated the fact that, that Kiss was coming to the theme park, taking all the money out of his research and development. Um, he was looking up in the sky, seeing planes carrying Kiss concert tonight, huh. banners behind him asking the owner, how much does this cost, and why can't I get these new robot eyes for my robot? The owner had terrible news for him. Actually, and it's funny, in the movie, the owner, he, uh, he drives Abner in his little go-kart to the front of the stage where the sound check is happening and says, Abner, I need to, I need to retire you early. Oh, man. <laughs> so, um, poor Abner. Abner, not really happy about this. Uh, Too worried about the robots. What about the kids riding the teacups? They're not safe. They weren't safe. He felt bad, but you know what? Fuck them. So, he was not really happy about this, and uh, he swore revenge. Mm-hmm. Absolute revenge. He was like, I'm going to get you theme park and I'm going to get you kiss. And these robots are my instruments. Mm-hmm. These are my instruments as the camera is just panning up. Okay. Oh, my God. So um, so he builds a small army, army of robotic monsters uh, featuring um, uh, uh, a gaggle of, of monkey-like, uh, white-furred monkey-like robots uh, that... that that scale the sides of the Arctic monkeys. They're kind of, the they're kind of like, yeah. they're like the silver monkeys. Um, yeah. what the legends of the hidden temple team was based off of. And they're, they're scaling the sides of roller coasters, um, featuring also a mummy, uh, Frankenstein's monster. Um, there's like a few werewolves and then he had ninjas. <laughs> That's great. This is amazing. Yeah. So, Barbara pulling through again. So, was this a cartoon? No, this was. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been amazing. Great. Okay. So um, at this point in the movie, <laughs> let me let me just say, we're about we're about thirty five minutes into the movie right now, and uh, all you've seen is a uh, footage of of happy children riding roller coasters, and uh, a few Kiss Army members just. Punching like robotic monkeys, um, and about th- at the thirty-five minute mark, Kiss comes on screen, and they're just playing a concert. Yeah, they're just playing "Shout It, Shout It, Shout It." Yeah, shout it out loud. They're fucking going crazy. Kiss, as you know them, biggest band in the world. After the show. <laughs> They're walking down the stairs and they see a woman and she's trying to find her boyfriend. But they don't know that. So she's trying to find the boyfriend. Ace freely shoots a laser at her face. Mm -hmm. And a star appears over her face. And he goes, well, you're not looking for Kiss. And she's like, no, I'm looking for my boyfriend. And he's like, he was here. And then Kiss walks down the stairs and out. What? Yeah, it's the best fuck. It's the best movie. It's the best movie in the world. So, uh, Kiss Kiss hooks up with this girl, and they're like, she's like, you need to find my boyfriend. And they're like, okay, we're gonna find him. Uh, Abner probably has something to do with this, so so we're gonna go. So, Kiss using their powers of um, fire breathing, uh, laser eyes, and kung fu, uh, fight their way through their park, all the way into Abner's underground laboratory. While they're there, Abner. Zaps away their powers. He just zaps them, takes them, zaps them away. Got him. Locks them up in a, in, a, in a laser cage. While they're locked up, 
Abner has taken pictures of all of their faces. Mm-hmm. And from the pictures, he has constructed new robots of Kiss. So Kiss, who was who's spending the weekend playing at this park, uh, so the fans think, uh, Abner sends out this robotic Kiss mm. to play. Okay, wow. This is getting deep now. So robotic yeah. Kiss plays, and the crowd isn't taking it. But you know who isn't taking it more? Who? The actual band Kiss, who's locked up. Uh-huh. You have to understand, and maybe there's just some some backstory that needs to be put in here. Kiss is not going to stand for that sort of copyright infringement, like at all, right? Yeah, they're not going to stand. If you know anything some... about Gene Simmons, yeah, that's not going to happen. I I didn't see litigation coming in on this, but I I did. Yeah. It was definitely uh, I, I watched I watched the show. There were definitely sort of like legal undertones, like throughout. Yeah. So, um, Gene Simmons, he doesn't fuck around with so the robotic kiss plays as some sort of like elaborate prank on the kiss army by, by, by Abner. Um, somehow kiss, uh, gains the force, they get their powers back and then you just see them flying from space onto stage. They fight the, the robotic kiss, but you can't really tell who's winning cause everybody looks the same. Um, and, uh, they end up winning. Wouldn't you know it? So the real kiss Beats up the old Kiss, and uh, they take their instruments back, and they play rock and roll all night, and then the credits roll. Wow, wow! So this movie is absolutely uh, phenomenal. There's 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 a lot of like little uh, you know little uh, little lines that, that are super quotable, but you got to watch it for yourself. Uh, I, I kind of like the, the the backstory to the to the making of this movie because um, f- very few people cared about the production of this movie, uh, most notably the members of Kiss. <laughs> um, uh, no, no member learned their lines uh, at, at all. Um, every scene that was that was shot was uh, single a, takes. A member in the band yelling "line," somebody would tell them the line, and as soon as they said it without messing up, that was in the movie. Wow! Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Um, the you know, and the whole thing is like was overdubbed. You know, as as movies in the seventies were. So you know. Uh, Funny thing about that was uh, Peter Chris uh, didn't show up for any of the uh, voiceovers. So <laughs> his his voice is not in the movie. Um, his voice was done by uh, famed voice actor Michael Bell. And if you don't know Michael Bell, uh, he let me let me just read a few of his credentials off right now. Sure, just um, decorated voice actor. Um, he was uh, most of the GI Joes in uh, the GI Joe <laughs> cartoons and early. Um, he was most of the dads in Rugrats. If, uh, if oh, cool! Um, he uh, he played Russian soldier in Metal Gear Solid 2: Sons of Liberty. <laughs> um, he also uh, voiced Damaged Rat in Ratatouille, and then uh, he he voiced the Talking Onion in Ducktales. And those are just a few little snapshots of Michael Bell. Illustrious, beautiful, huge career voice actor, very talented man. So, what is this film called again? Kiss and the so this Phantom? is called uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom. Of the park. Of the park. All right. Uh, the theme park. Um, Ace Freely was maybe in half of the scenes that showed him because mm-hmm. um, he just didn't show up. Uh, actually, Ace Freely and Peter Chris uh, both decided to leave Kiss on the set of this movie. <laughs> wow. Uh, and the band broke up shortly after. That's pretty historic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wow. So uh, a lot of Ace Frehley's parts. In, <laughs> well, actually, the funny thing about Peter Chris too, while he didn't do any of his lines, probably the one with the most dialogue in the entire movie uh, out of the members of Kiss. <laughs> really? 
Um, Gene Simmons has like all this reverb on his voice for some reason. Also breathes fire. Also just roar. Just has just roars like a lion. Just opens his mouth and lion sounds come out. Was the robot one like I've had sex with so many women? No, there was no difference. Oh, there was just no okay. difference at all. All right. Uh, he he smacked a cop. That was it. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ace Freely. Uh, maybe in half the scenes, uh, he, his stuntman played the rest of uh, of his parts, and his uh, his stuntman was African American too. And it's um, amazingly noticeable because uh, of the different skin color. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, all in all, um, the uh, the film Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park uh, really. Um, fucking pisses me off that it was snubbed for Oscars Best Picture in 1978 and uh, do yourselves a favor learn something about music and watch this movie because it is uh, it is amazing and, and wow. so and so ends the haunted tale of how Kiss broke up <laughs> damn man wow. that, that's a real deep dive yeah. this is like an equivalent yeah. like you just brought in a movie that's kind of like when Will brings in something from his collection that no one knows exists. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't even know. I, I don't um, even know, bro. I watched this movie twice today. And <laughs> I, I plan on going home and watching it again. Um, for as shitty as it is, man, it is it is, it is just hilarious. There's just amazing lines. Mm. Like, you know, uh, they're, they're in the... These, these Kiss Army punks are in the basement. Uh, this underground lair, and uh, they're fucking around, and some little girl's holding a balloon, and one of one of the, the the Kiss Army punks, his name is Chopper. Chopper, he pops a balloon with a cigarette, and the mother goes, "You can't smoke in here," and he just goes, "I'll smoke you." And for me, awards. That's a good one. That's that's where like the opening credits get those little those flowers, those little seals. Yeah. You know what I mean? For your consideration. Just that guy. So, uh, Kiss Lives, hardest in the world. Nice. All right, let's move on to the next movie. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Will, what do you got, man? There's a, a series of movies that I want to talk about. Um, I wanted to go back. Uh, there's a few movies that are always going to be like really iconic to me, uh, horror movies. When I, when I was probably around 12 or 13, I had a really cool uncle that started showing me all the cool horror movies, mm-hmm. obscure ones, classic ones, black and white ones from the 40s and 50s, crazy weird ones from the 60s and 70s, Vincent Price, Hammer Films, you name it. And among those, he also showed me like the classic, the, the, the uh, Lucio Fulci films, Dario Argento, blah, blah, blah. Um, but my horror movie people know what I'm talking about. And... I was thinking, what's the movie that made the that that was like uh, that that had something to do with metal the most? And it's uh, it's absolutely the movie Demons, the Italian film Demons, um, Dimani in the Italian as it was released. Uh, but most most uh, countries it was released as Demons in the English. Um, 1985, if I'm not mistaken, this movie was released. Uh, director Lamberto Bava, uh, son of Mario Bava, classic. Um, uh, Italian director, directed a lot of uh, classic, like, black and white, old-school horror movies. Um, Lumberto Bava was the assistant director of Cannibal Holocaust. Oh. Um, I mean, yeah, if you know, like, the kind of legacy of that movie, uh, really shocking and extreme band in a lot of places, man. Um, 
the movie Demons, man, so close to my heart. I saw it probably when I was 12 or 13 for the first time, and it changed the way I looked at heavy metal and horror movies and set the bar very high uh, for, for both of those things in my life as I would, like, grow, continue to grow into, like, you know, adolescence and teenagehood pursuing horror movies and heavy metal. Um, this movie uses heavy metal... Uh, in a really intimate way, man, to set the atmosphere. It has, it's got such a great uh, soundtrack. There's a lot of um, scored music, synthesized music and such by uh, Claudio Simonetti that shouldn't go, um, you know, underrated and unspoken for, man. There's a lot of really good music and atmospheric music in this, but there's also, like, some really cool uh, kind of, like, pop music and heavy metal music. you got Billy Idol, uh, Rick Springfield, a really cool Motley Crue song called Save Our Souls, which is more of an old-school, traditional metal track, as, as Motley Crue can, can do. Um, uh, there's a band, Go West, uh, We Close Our Eyes, just kind of like a like, like a wacky, funky little 80s dance song. And uh, a really another cool song, The Adventures, Send My Heart, more of like your twangy... Um, like England, I think they were from Ireland actually, but you know, like twangy, you know, like 80s, early rock kind of thing, maybe something along the lines of like the Smiths, early U2 or something, but the, to, to hear this music in the movie, the way they set the atmosphere is amazing, man, but there's kind of like a heavy metal trifecta, there's three songs on the soundtrack that I'm going to talk about uh, that really made an impact on me, um, and I'm sure a lot of other people, because this movie, it's not the most obscure movie, it's not your Freddy or your Jason or something like that, but for people that know horror movies and gore movies and zombie movies, Demons is a, is a you know it's a pretty prominent one. Um, it's a landmark film, and it's because there's a lot of factors to it. There's uh, the, the the writing. The uh, it was a script written and produced by uh, Dario Argento too, uh, another classic like Italian uh, horror movie director. It like stirs something to me. I'm trying to find the right words, man. Just the way the movie is scripted and put together. Um, there's parts of it that are just kind of like weird. I guess schlocky. People might think it's corny. Some people might laugh at it or whatever, man. Some of the effects, some of the makeup or something, man. But when I first saw it and for its time, uh, the gore is over the top. There's every color fluid coming out of people. <laughs> there's, there's when, when you see like, you know what it is? There's blood in a lot of movies, but when you start seeing like the bubbles of white pus and the puking green <laughs> foam and that's attention to detail. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. His fingernails <laughs> kind of like getting like 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 the human fingernails are getting busted up, mm. and demon ones are coming through, and there's blood, and it's hard to watch. Mm, there's yeah. this is this is a feast for the eyes of disgusting supernatural gore. Um, and then there's like the mysterious guy with the mask on. I'm gonna try to get through this without giving away any uh, you know big spoilers, but. Um, there's just a great atmosphere. The movie takes place in a movie theater, uh, and um, there's there's an element of kind of like uh, breaking the third wall. Uh, you know, the, the the movie has a supernatural effect on the movie theater, and the demons act in a way very similar to how your zombies act in your typical zombie move. It's kind of like a you know they they spread the disease, and then the people the infected people become more, and then it's this army of ghouls uh, in in this um, movie theater, and uh, uh, it just made such an impact on me, and it set the bar so high for horror movies, man. This is the type of movie that's just engaging from the go. Mm -hmm. There's not like a slow first half hour. 
You're or something. You know how like some horror movies, you, you're you're trying to get past that hump in the first half hour, forty minutes, and then, you know, yeah. Before, no, man, this movie is just, uh, you know, the way they set it up, the the music again. Not you know when I talk about all the, all the cool um, kind of eighties new wave and heavy metal music, that's not too. Um, disparage Claudio Simonetti's um, score for this because there's such a musical atmosphere in this movie. Claudio Simonetti has a band, Goblin. Okay. And, Go- okay. and Goblin yes. is actually um, like uh, original synthwave ish. Yeah, yeah, well, it's associated very heavily with this Italian horror movie, uh, Italian gore movie genre. Yeah. Um, and there's actually there's a band I'm a big fan of, Zombie, yeah. on Relapse Records that kind of does a sim- something in a similar vein, inspired by that, I think, at some point. Yeah, I but, feel like that's a that's like a yeah. newer version of what yes. Goblin was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, there's that. Uh, yeah. There, uh, this is there's uh, what's the guy's name, man. Yeah, actually, on uh, next year's Maryland Death Fest, you're going to have, um, I believe his name is Fabio Fritzi, uh, and he's uh, with his eight-piece Fritzi to Fulci Orchestra performing suites from classic Italian horror films like Zombie 2, Seven Notes in Black, The Beyond, City of the Living Dead, and others. So that's wow. like extremely relevant to this conversation. Mm. Um, at, at Death Fest. At that's Maryland crazy. Death Fest. And that just goes to show the kind of crossover between the horror movies and the, mm-hmm. and the extreme music that we're pursuing with this episode. So... Um, but anyway, back to Demons, man. Just such a beautiful, perfect movie. Uh, the gore, the characters, uh, the build-up, the frenzied release of the tension, um, the, the the plot itself. There's there's some weird stuff that happens. There's some some creepy stuff that's kind of unexplained. Maybe I, maybe I missed some something somewhere. But there's there's a couple of characters that are just like unexplained. These demonic entities, uh, and and. Um, there's like the famous, uh, there's the, the the pimp character, big tough dude, he's like a pimp and he's got his girls there and you know, they, I'm not gonna talk about their fate, I'm not gonna spoil it, but there's just so many memorable characters that fans of this uh, movie will remember. Yeah, and um, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of um, uh, this the, the music, like, like you know, you're, you're playing the background, now you got my Claudio Simonetti going on, man, this is really cool, creepy synthwave music, it sets the atmosphere, man, and um, the thing that's really cool is it bounces between this kind of atmosphere and you got your heavy metal songs. And sometimes they use the heavy metal songs to great effect when the when the tension gets ramped up or the action gets ramped up. And what I want to talk about, the three songs, the first one is Accept, Fast as a Shark. Yes, so, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I already tried to make a, as good a case as I could for the atmosphere of this movie um, itself and... These heavy metal songs that come in, uh, they just change the energy so 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 much. And hearing these uh, rock songs kind of break up that um, atmospheric synth score, uh, it, it has such an uh, effect to it, man. And this song in particular, when I heard this, I remember thinking, uh, you know, at that point I was maybe 12 or 13, and like the most metal thing that I had going on in my life was probably Motorhead and Iron Maiden. And except was like Motorhead times Iron Maiden or something. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it was like the 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 raw rough vocals were there. That you could hear the double bass. Like listen to this song. Mm-hmm. This is a, clearly like a Motorhead influence going on. But when those guitar leads and that melodic epic quality come in, you also mm-hmm. get that like new wave of British heavy metal thing. Even though except being a German band. Um, yeah, I mean that, a lot of that went to Germany. Yeah, yeah you know, of really. course that yeah. influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this just blew my mind. And of course back in the day. I, you know, I'm talking, this was probably mid-90s. Uh, if I was 12 or 13, we're talking like 95, 96, I, I heard this. Uh, I couldn't go to, uh, you know, YouTube and look it up or file share it or whatever, man. The record store was a couple of bucks and, um, you know, getting a ride up there away. And even that, it wasn't a guarantee they'd have the, an accept record. 
uh, I ended up a lot of the time just like putting on the VHS of Demons and mm-hmm. like fast forwarding it to certain parts just to hear a little bit of a song. Oh, you know, cool. and and yeah. like that was all I had. You know, I never actually took the leap to recording it to tape because there's certain parts where it's like interspersed with dialogue or people screaming or something like that. You know what I mean? But it's, it, you know, that's like the only way I could listen to the song. And then later on, you know, you you eventually get get to buy the CD or you can just look it up on YouTube and, you know, you remember you remember the you always remember the movie with with these songs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and this like this to me is a special nostalgic part of my childhood. Just hearing this song, and it really like I said, it this is this to me. If anything. Hearing this accept song "Fast as a Shark" in the movie Demons was like the step from Iron Maiden and Motorhead into more extreme forms of metal that weren't as uh, you know accessible in the commercial market. You know, yeah. as as a young guy, so really important, man. song of my uh the big metal trifecta of the soundtrack to demons i want to talk about pretty maids is the band uh a danish band with the song night danger um another just a powerful riff heavy shredder of a song man really cool heavy metal song uh the vocals brusque really low yeah Yeah, like uh yeah this this, man's cutting down trees between vocal practice he's doing it yeah whatever he's doing it man yeah but, um, you know, again, just for this, the same quality to me, this exposed me to heavy metal that wasn't uh, so much in, in the common ear and, 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 and you know, in, in, every, you know in, in the common, uh, what do you, what, 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 what would I say? The, um... In like the, uh, <laughs> it's kind of overlooked in like the commercial respect, you mean? Yeah, or? and, the, and the, this, this, mm-hmm. this is a big part of what exposed me to heavy metal that wasn't so much in the commercial market, you know what I mean, in the United States for that time, you know, it's got, you know. Like, there was a lot of metal that came before me already. You know, at 12 or 13, there was a lifetime's worth of metal I had yet to discover. Yeah, this you is know? not, like, made in adjacent. This yeah. But a little, it, oh, yeah. A little, yeah. like, deeper in, into into the, the darkness than made it was. Just yeah. a, little a little faster. Heavier, a little heavier. A little, little, little more cutting edge to those riffs. You know, it's it's that this is kind of like the, the bridge between the new wave of British heavy metal and the thrash. Yeah. You know? And you that was very important to me, man. You know, that because that, the melodies... The, the singing the the atmosphere that's you know that that's that was important for me I wasn't I wasn't ready for the full-on death metal yet you know what I mean so this kind of no one is gently mm-hmm. gently persuaded me into extreme metal and again um another song that I'll always think about the movie demons uh you know when I um when I hear this man this has like a killers maiden vibe to it you know with the vocals and yeah mm-hmm. kind of like kind of like Queensryche but like oh, yeah. from if they were from like Brooklyn or something <laughs> you know what I mean like that's what it sounds like yeah killer voice the darkness has the power and it has come to rule you better
uh, side note, so many there's, there's a couple of pages of, of uh, jackets in that book I was talking about where the entire thing is Saxon. There's just oh, like yeah. 80 patches of Saxon. It's yeah. um, Northern England. Yeah, like James. Right? Yeah, yeah, James, yeah, we have a buddy who's like, it's his favorite band, hands down. If you asked him his five favorite bands, he would have listed five. Yeah, it's S A X O N. Yeah, man. My third. Uh, completing this trilogy of heavy metal classic songs on the soundtrack to Demons. Third song is Everybody Up by Saxon. Man. Um, yeah. Uh, amazing band. Classic heavy metal band. A little underrated. Uh, doesn't always come up in conversation as quickly as some others, man. And, and uh, that's a problem you need to fix in your life. Um, great band. Excellent song. Used to great effect in the movie. I'm not going to spoil it, but just watch the movie and wait for the song. I'll always remember it. Um, and... You know this, not not necessarily the fastest, uh, heaviest shredder of, of these three heavy metal songs, but um, you know again this was just a name I had never heard the name Saxon. Mm-hmm. I you know I didn't know what it was all about, and it was just something that stuck with me and showed me that there was this great big heavy metal world that had already been going on without me, and I needed to join the party and catch up. Mm. So um, you know I just just another thing, and and again the vocals really raw. You know, mm-hmm. you, this this style of heavy metal sometimes gets, uh, I feel like, stereotyped or parodied a lot in this day and age. It's like these, like, kind of pretty boy opera singer, you know, vocalists, like, uh, you know, which was, like, prevalent in glam metal a lot. But I think, yeah, a lot of that is, like you said before, like Iron Maiden. Like, the, yeah, Bruce Dickinson's yeah. vocal style is so prominent within the genre yeah, that a lot yeah. of people try to emulate that. And there probably were a, a lot of kind of fairly comedic attempts that fell flat at that just like with any genre any mm. any subgenre of metal but uh, there were so many great metal bands and great singers that really had powerful voices and could carry a tune with great range man that deserve a lot of credit so um, you know I just just going back to how I touched on the uh, the whole new wave of British heavy metal and trying to get back into that stuff and, and rediscover some old bands uh, watching the movie Demons and talking about the soundtrack really helped me in that respect lately so um, so that's that's the third song. That's what I want to talk about with with uh, with Saxon. Everybody up, man. We'll let it ring Amazing. out. Nice. Uh, Saxon, everybody up. Now that's my little heavy metal trifecta that I talked about for Demons. Um, obviously a lot of a lot of other cool songs. There's a really cool Motley Crue song on there. Billy Idol's White Wedding was used in the movie. Everybody knows that. One mm. thing I wanted to punch up though real quick is this Rick, Rick Springfield song, Walking on the Edge. Now Rick Springfield, a couple of hits in the 80s. Not Definitely. a bad artist. Yep. You know what mm. I mean? Did his thing. Wasn't he in soap operas too or something? I hope so. I th- I'm pretty sure he was in like General Hospital or one of those. I don't know. The- he, he was Jesse's girl... Uh, yeah. Good entertainer. Mm-hmm. He still plays yeah. around today. I know my yeah. like my aunts went and saw him a couple of years ago, and apparently, yeah. women still throw underwear. At they him. love him. Mm-hmm. They love him. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. not this 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 what you're hearing now is the intro to a Rick Springfield song, <clears throat> and it actually I totally mistook it for like weird synth wave score atmosphere in the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought this was part of like a Claudio Simonetti 
like interlude or something for the movie. You know what I mean? But this is actually part of the Rick Springfield song. So I got to give it to Rick. This wasn't a collab or anything like that? This maybe? is Rick tapping into the dark side. Richard. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's funny because Bruce uh, Springsteen was the one with darkness on the edge of town. Rick Springfield, the one over here with the real darkness on the edge of town. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Also, he's playing here, um, playing New York City October 18th. And then he's also playing Jericho uh, Theater at Westbury December 12th. We'll try to get him on the heavy hole. As I, as I always say, we'll reach out. No yep. guarantees. Rick yeah. Springfield. Yep. Look out for Coming it. for you, buddy. So... Uh, yeah, so that's that's that about the soundtrack. And just as we um, as we let Rick rock out in the background, I got a few little facts that I thought were kind of uh, you know shareable about this. First of all, for my gamers, if you ever played Silent Hill for the PlayStation, it came out in the '90s, the original mm-hmm. one. Yes, sir. There's a Metropol. Uh, it's called Metropol yep. like, Theater mm-hmm. in the town there. That's like the same font, same type of building as the Metropol movie theater you see in the movie Demons. Oh, so, oh wow. so the designers of Silent Hill were obviously fans of some sort. Terrifying or, or somebody. game. Absolutely oh, yeah. terrifying game. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. finish that one either, man. That's a rough game. I'm telling you, terrifying movie, man. And um, uh, it also, there's sequels to Demons. Um, well, allegedly. This is allegedly. The, the one thing that's not allegedly is Demons 2 is the official sequel. It was released in 1986. Um... I, great movie. I don't even pick one over the other. It's it's. I, I I like to think of them as a set of movies because there's. I'm not going to say the sequel is better or worse. I love both movies. Second one takes place in an apartment building, not a movie theater. Again, there's kind of like a breaking third wall element to the to the. Uh, it's great praise for a sequel. This the inception of the whole thing. Yeah, it's great, man. I love I love both movies. Demons two having a decidedly more um kind of like, uh, indie rock. Uh, well, you know, it was like. The Smiths, The Cult, Dead Can Dance, Love and Rockets, mm-hmm. amongst others. So not as metal, but really great atmosphere. Hearing those like melodic, kind of dissonant um, pop songs mm-hmm. and, and indie rock songs over this brutal gore atmosphere and horrific atmosphere, man. It's a that's part of the beauty of the Demons movies is the way the music uh, accentuates and interacts with the script and with the, with the characters. But um, getting back to the whole sequel thing is that in Germany. If you ever like for some reason if you're in Germany and you're looking at the German version, Demons is actually Demons 2 and Demons 2 is Demon is the first Demon. It's it's crazy. <laughs> they didn't release the first Demons in Germany and that never got a release. Oh. And then Demons 2 came out so they called it Demons. Oh. That did ooh. so well that they decided to put, the put out the first one out as Demons 2. So I don't know. The Germans did the Germans literally did it backwards. They were going with through some weird shit. They had a wall uh, running yeah, through them. The distro was... Yeah. It's the 80s. Some different troll era. shit. Yeah. yeah. Different yeah. 80s. Different version in the 80s. Yeah, the whole different time. Uh, and the British version at the time was heavily edited. I, I've never seen the British version, but it was edited to have the all the like brutal gore cut out. So all I can think of... You remember like the Mad TV sketch where they had the Sopranos with all the curses cut out, and it was just like a 30-second episode with all yeah. cuts. Like, yeah, like the Mr. Show, Goodfellas one. <laughs> yeah, they did really that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, how are you going to have demons with all the gore edited out? Like Mother, just, father, just Chinese band it outright. <laughs> yeah, right? What's the, the People want the gore. Give them the gore. Now, <laughs> yeah, now, once you start looking for demons 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, mm-hmm. those are all actually movies that have nothing to do with oh, the wow. demon storyline or franchise or the, the monsters or anything about mm-hmm. it. They're actually other movies that were just released as demons, the sequel, for, for money. They're like the later yeah. Pink Floyd Cash records. Cash grabs. Yeah. Mm. Is, is that what happened? 
I don't know. Oh, <laughs> allegedly. Shot, shots fired, allegedly. allegedly. So, and, and as a matter of fact, I found this really funny in the research. Demons, the alleged Demon 7, which is not really a sequel, that was actually Cemetery Man. Uh, I believe it was also called Delamore Della Morte, which is a brilliant movie. Mm. Um, a little bit of a like a slapstick gore movie, almost in line with what you were saying about Evil Dead 2. Mm. Uh, brilliant movie. Definitely check out Cemetery Man if you get the chance, but has nothing to do with demons. I don't know how you could label that as the seventh sequel to Demons. But, You're um, telling me they ain't one demon in that movie? <laughs> It's a zombie movie. Oh, yeah, it, it's, yeah. It takes place in a cemetery. It's not a demon. I do. Like, I, I'm, not yeah. the, I'm not the hugest horror movie buff. Zombies and demons. Way different things. You can't pass one for the other. I, well, especially, I mean, like, look, I could, I could understand if you wanted to somehow work 28 days later and have a fan theory that, like, because in 28 days later, the zombies run. Yeah. All right? Because that's the thing. In Demons, these things are booking. They're after you. They're right. not like slow zombies. They're you know? possessed. They're not yeah. deteriorating. Deteriorating. Yeah, and yeah. Now, see, now you got me. Because one of my theories is that Demons has influenced the zombie movie culture we're in now. Because in a lot of zombie films and zombie... Co- like, there's, there's a million different zombie things going on right now. Yeah. The, the Walking Dead popped off. And there's mm-hmm. movies. Zombieland. Bill Murray had the... What is it? Zombieland thing. Yeah, there's yeah. all this crazy stuff. And and now all of a sudden, a lot of zombies are running now. Yeah. Zombies never used to run. Well, what's the infection is what we're talking about. But, well, is the, it viral? The, is it fungal? The infection is, is everybody saw demons and how the demons were running around. They, you know, you get scratched, you become one, kind of like a zombie movie. <laughs> yeah. I really think demons influenced that. You know what I mean? They stepped it up. You know, when, when demons came out... Enough people eventually saw it over the years, and they're like, yo, then these guys are running around and infecting people. <laughs> they're not just, you know, uh, stumbling over, you know, you put up a, a, a sawhorse and it'll fall over it. Like, you know. They could get there yeah. faster. <clears throat> yeah, so. I like that. Yeah, so that that's that's my little uh, tangent. But um, I'll wrap it up here, man. I could talk all night about these movies, and uh, my highest recommendation for a metalhead looking for a good horror movie. Uh, this Halloween is the movie Demons, and if you follow it up with Demons 2, I doubt you're going to be mad at me. So, that's that. I'm, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to watch that this week, for sure. I would loan it to you, but I only have both of them on VHS, and that's my final flex. Oh, YouTube got VHS, though. Yeah, yeah I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that concludes our bonus episode, the Halloween heavy hole bonus episode. Oh. Um, I got one thing. Oh, oh, yep. I remember I have my recommendation. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. All right, so uh, just one more thing. We're going to wrap it up and let you get to your horror movies and go trick-or-treating and finish showing up your kid's costume, whatever you got to do. Um, we, we're not going to do the whole full old and new album recommendations and everything, man. Uh, but I'm I, too scared, yeah. Too yeah, everyone's scared. scared. I begged the guys, though. I got one that I really wanted to throw in there. I felt like it's a, it's a cool, deep cut just for all of our, our extreme music heads that are always listening to the Heavy Hole looking for something um, different and something to get turned on to. And it's very Halloween adjacent to me. Uh, I brought in... And by the way, I forgot to do this like 20 minutes ago, but I'm going to put on my Demon's hat right now. Oh, oh hell this yeah. This ain't the vinyl. Yeah. It's not the tape. Yeah, I got... It's the hat. I got the, the, the ski hat courtesy of Tom Ander a few years ago, man. That's sick. It's my boy for Christmas. Yeah, man, the Demon's hat with Amazing. the official Demon's logo. Look at that tight stitching. Yeah, I, I rarely wear this because I'm so afraid of losing it, man. Such a beautiful That's hat. That's sick. But, um... Uh, I brought in for my little album recommendation the Zombified Preachers of Gore 1991 demo cassette. Zombie. Yeah, Zombified Preachers of Gore. It's Halloween adjacent. Come on. You know, give me one on that. Um, 
as you can see it it sustained a little water damage in the basement um but there's a lot of gore on there you can still see the pictures of these guys those guys look like proto gore grind guys if there was an internet in 1991 those guys would have been on the gore grind message board straight Absolutely. up and down um zombified preachers of gore uh what can i say about this this is kind of like your early wave this is like your first wave grindcore really i mean 1991 this is when the bands like terrorizer extreme noise terror uh you know carcass napalm death uh they were all doing it in the late 80s uh, early 90s and zombified preachers of gore came out they had um a demo before this and then they had this 1991 demo uh, and it was released on Wild Rags Records. My old school heads are going to remember Wild Rags Records. Um, put out a lot of stuff. Put out some internal bleeding stuff back in the day. Torture Crypt. A lot of sick shit. I ordered this straight from the horse's mouth from Wild Rags way back in the day. Um, really cool death. Kind of like if you're a fan of maybe Repulsion. Uh, Terrorizer. Your old Impetigo. This is just your old kind of like grindy, you know, like, like death metal elements. But very, very balls to the wall raw grindcore man um yeah i feel like this is one of those demos where you could uh imagine the room that they're in yeah, while they're recording yeah. it you know yeah, it's, it's raw but it's also got like a depth to it well something to think about is recently i talked about the sarcastic seven inch from brazil mm-hmm. uh and i also brought up um a few episodes about rotting flesh and fantasious monster both of those are like really old school brazilian gore grind releases that had like super lo-fi cavernous recordings this slightly uh slightly more passable production but i feel like 1991 it's in that same vein this is the state yeah. of the the gore state of gore grind as an art you no know what uh, i mean t- timing considered and uh, like pushing your instruments to sound uh, to record a an amp and stuff back then when we didn't really perfect it yet yeah like yeah. for this extreme style music sounds really good for 91 at 100 percent. now something funny about this I've seen reviews of this online where they say that this is a drum machine. It's not a drum machine. Oh, I want to sit with this a minute now. You got no. a very consistent snare to, to reckon with, but it doesn't sound like a drum machine. Listen to that ride. Yeah, no, it that's a human being. Much. And yeah. there's three guys in the picture, three guys, one of them's credited with drums. I don't understand where this rumor uh, came up in the reviews. Maybe I'm missing something. If I am, please let me know. Maybe they're like, that drummer's a machine. I, yeah, I don't know. Also, I think what you're saying, people might hear that snare. It's so boxy and even with every hit. And here's the part that literally kind of speeds up. That would have been hard to program with the, with the technology in 91 like that. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have a guy standing over the drum machine in uh, 91. But this, is, this, this is not a... Yeah. This is... No, this is, so, a, this is a drummer. So if you, if, you, if, you, if you read the reviews on Metallum, um, you know, they're fairly accurate, but except for the idea that this is a drum machine. I don't know where that comes from. So... I don't want to disparage the drummer by acting like uh, he didn't exist. So, <laughs> Z- <laughs> Zombified Preachers of Gore, to my not, they put out this and a demo uh, prior to this that I've never heard. Um, and uh, that's about it. To my knowledge, there's no reissue. Uh, you could look it up, but you could at least listen to it on YouTube if you're interested. And um, look up Wild Rags Records just for fun and look at some of the stuff that they put out. They put out a lot of really quality underground death metal uh, in the early 90s, man. So, Zombified Preachers of Gore for Halloween. That's my album recommendation. Uh, happy Halloween.
So, that's the last free bonus episode. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all you get. This is trick or treat. This yep. is the last one. You're 12 now. You can't do this anymore. <laughs> Hand, handouts are over. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you, you don't don't be one of those teenagers that just shows up on the door with no costume and sneakers and jeans, like looking for candy. Man, you guys ever get that? What's up with that? Oh yeah, dude. Stop. You're old enough to get a job and buy candy. Stop. It's just steal candy too, yeah. man. You're young enough where they're not gonna throw you in the Whoa! can for it. Allegedly, don't don't do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 please. All right, yeah. But if you do, uh, don't say we told you to. That's so, cool. Yeah. So we're starting up the Patreon. There's going to be some perks. The bonus episodes are going to be behind the paywall, but don't worry. Heavy Hole Podcast still coming at you. Weekly. Uh, weekly, yeah. for yeah. free. Nothing changes about the regular listening experience. We're just going to make a little money on the side. We're trying to pull something you know what in. I'm saying? It's We're, Long Island. Times are tough. The idea is that we'll make a little bit of money, and we probably will try to start hitting some festivals and stuff like that. Do a little bit of... Uh, yeah. Without unlocking too much of the mystery, we do want to uh, take this show on the road. We want to hit up some of your more notable uh, death metal events and festivals and try to reach out to those artists to bring you the same type of content we've been bringing you uh, on a wider scale. It's all about you guys. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. all about the listeners, man. We appreciate your support. You. That's <clears throat> on the Patreon. And also, we have a merch store coming, so keep your eyes peeled out for that. We'll get some more information on social media soon. Yep, Halloween costumes for the kids next year.